This episode is brought to you by Bento Box, a full-service marketing and commerce platform that helps restaurants get discovered, make more money, and engage their diners. Join over 8,000 restaurants already using Bento Box today to deliver better hospitality. Visit getbento.com slash hrn today to get your first month free. That's getbento.com slash hrn. World Central Kitchen is serving thousands of fresh meals to Ukrainian families fleeing home, as well as people remaining in the country. This week on Let's Talk About Food, host Louisa Kasdan spoke with Henry Patterson about his upcoming relief trip. So you're going to Poland, and I think you told me you're going to be there for at least two weeks. I'm going to Poland to help feed Ukrainian refugees. With Jose Andreas's World Central Kitchen, I decided that's what I wanted to do for my 70th birthday. I leave in just a few days. We all see that what the Russians are doing is contemptible. As a food person, we all love to help. It's in our DNA. And here are people who really need our help. So if you want to help the Ukrainian refugees, either with money or even your hands and heart, find hashtag Chefs for Ukraine and World Central Kitchen. We have to do something. We can help. Remember, hashtag Chefs for Ukraine. Welcome to Inside Julia's Kitchen, the podcast of the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. I'm your host, Todd Shulkin, the Foundation's Executive Director. Our show takes you inside the Foundation's world to meet the talented people we have the good fortune of learning from all the time. On today's show, we welcome chef Antonia Lafazo and producer Blake Davis. In today's episode, we're going to talk to Antonia and Blake about Food Network's The Julia Child Challenge, why Julia's legacy endures, and we'll get another double Julia moment. Stay with us. We'll be right back. As always, we launch the conversation with an inspiration from Julia. Julia's work as a television cooking teacher on PBS helped lay the groundwork for a wide swath of national cooking shows. But Julia never did a show or even appeared on the Food Network. Until now. While Julia preferred to teach rather than compete, it wasn't something that really existed in her day. Iron Chef, one of the first popular cooking competitions, didn't air on Food Network until 1999, five years before Julia died. But Julia was most definitely a showman, brandishing swords, giant cooking implements, and humongous vegetables on the French chef. She even fired a starter pistol in an episode of Julia and Jock cooking at home. She knew that successful instruction needed to be entertaining. When Kimberly Carver, my fellow producer on the HBO Max Julia scripted series, which debuts soon, brought the foundation a concept for a reality series she had developed with one of today's guests, producer Blake Davis. We weren't sure. Do cooking competition shows fit Julia's ethos? We concluded that a show built around Julia's principles, 
providing home cooks the opportunity to not only show off their skills, but also attend the Cordon Bleu in Paris, the same cooking school Julia did, was something she would have supported. The success of food TV, including cooking competitions, has helped elevate a lot Julia advocated for, the value of chefs, the importance of cooking, and the value of understanding where food comes from. It was time to reintroduce Julia to a wider audience beyond PBS. Two people who share a rich understanding of Julia's legacy, as well as a love for cooking competitions, are chef Antonia Lafazo and producer Blake Davis. Blake is the creator of the Julia Child Challenge, airing now on the Food Network and Discovery Plus, and Antonia is its head judge, co-hosting alongside Julia. You may recognize Antonia from many television appearances, including most recently Food Network's Tournament of Champions, as well as Chopped and several Guy Fieri shows. She was first on my radar as one of the breakout stars from season four of Bravo's Top Chef. In addition to being a TV personality, she's also a classically trained chef, entrepreneur, and restaurateur. Antonia is the executive chef and co-owner of Black Market Liquor Bar, Scopa Italian Roots, and Dama Restaurants all in Los Angeles. She also runs Antonia Lafazo Catering and Chefletics, an apparel company making active chef wear. She got her professional start in the kitchen at Wolfgang Puck's Spago. Blake Davis is a 10-time Emmy-nominated producer, director, and writer who rose through the ranks across 10 seasons of Top Chef and its many spinoffs. He's the executive producer of the Julia Child Challenge and a showrunner on a new choose-your-own-adventure-style pilot for HBO Max. He's worked in docuseries with Genji Cohen on Netflix's Warn Stories, and also Netflix's Ugly Delicious with Morgan Neville. An Oklahoma City native, Blake started in the entertainment industry as a film critic at the tender age of 10. His favorite job was interviewing Michelle Obama for Nickelodeon, which garnered an NAACP Image Award nomination. The Julia Child Challenge, produced by purveyors of pop for E1 Television, airs on the Food Network Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central, and can be streamed on Discovery Plus. Please check your local listings to watch. Antonia Blake join us today to tell us more about the Julia Child Challenge and share why they think Julia's legacy continues to endure. Welcome to the podcast, Antonia and Blake. So happy to be here. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks. So why don't we start with Antonia? And before we talk about Julia, I thought it'd be helpful because I know you and Blake have worked together a lot. How and when did, did you guys first meet? Oh, um, so Blake, you and I met, what was it, 2009 or 2010 when I did Top Chef All-Stars. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that was the first time. It was the very first time. And Blake was actually, um, is the title a field producer? Yeah, I was a field producer. I was a brand new field producer on that. And um, yes, we we have a lot of stories from that season. We have have too many stories actually (laughs) from that season. Um, Blake actually, yeah, so Blake was, I would just want to make sure I got the title right. Um, Blake was a field producer when I decided to come back to do Top Chef All-Stars. Um, and you know, what that basically meant is that, you know, he was, um, one of, you know, basically my main producer in the field when I was competing and then did a lot of my interviews that you sort of see cut together in a lot of these competition cooking shows. And, um, 
I, I like I like to affectionately call him my whoopee, you know, like my. <laughs> um, yes, you're dating I, yourself, Antonio. About I know what I a whoopee is, but I well, you'll, you'll have to explain it for the for those well, younger uh, than us. The young, younger than us is uh, is a classic movie called Mr. Mom uh, with Michael Keaton, and one of his sons, you know, he stayed home with his kids while his wife went to work, and uh, his son had a blanket that he would hold with him at all times that protected him and made him feel safe. Um, and so that's, I feel like what Blake did for me on that show, because, um, you know, he just had such a calming presence, you know, in obviously such a chaotic uh, competition, uh, you know, such a, you know, very, very high stress environment and always just had this like very neutral tone and, like a don't worry, you know, you guys are going to be all okay. And so um, I actually, it's really funny. Every once in a while, they would try to give me a new producer to take my interview. And I would always wait for Blake because I just felt like he is who I wanted to tell my stories to. Oh, um, that's so sweet. Blake, it's true. You're, the, you're the whoopee. And I'll say for those who have not seen Mr. Mom, because it's also one of my favorite movies, we won't, you should get to the part where the Whoopi gets sacrificed. So, I, yes. Blake, you're going to have to wait for that part. But as <laughs> as the Whoopi, Blake, what, what would you like to say about um, working with Antonio over so many different shows? I mean, I, I thank you for describing me that way, Antonio. I've never had anyone do that before, but, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been great. Like, I feel like I, I started off as a producer with her and then kind of throughout the years, we would kind of find ourselves on another show together every yeah. once in a while. And I feel like each time I was always like sitting across from her in an interview, you know, and, you know, I felt like every few years I would be like kind of like almost a therapist where I would be like asking her how she's doing, how she's feeling, where she's at in her life, her career, the stories behind the food she makes. You know, I mean, I think a lot of people go to restaurants and they they pick dishes on a menu, but there's always a story behind the, those dishes and the restaurants and the restaurant names. And I feel like I was always one of those people like constantly asking her those questions, like to tell me the stories behind all of it. So I feel like it's been fun to over the years, ask her a bunch of really deep questions. It probably would be bizarre if your friends asked you, like if you were hanging out, you know, but given our relationship, it was totally normal to just sit in a chair and ask her all kinds of deep questions about her feelings and her past and her background and growing up and, and, and not even think a thing of it. So it's been, it's been fun to have that relationship over the years and to kind of like grow up in the industry together, you know, every, every few years touching base with each other. So it's kind of amazing that we ended up on this project together the way, the way we did. So it's been fun. It's true. Yeah. Th those interviews um, get very intimate, you know, yeah. because, and especially when you have a producer like Blake, where you trust him so implicitly, like you, you know, I found myself just, you're right, opening up. And so even though we didn't see each other all that often, every project, um, I was just an open book because it was just very much a safe space. So thank you. Yeah, I was going to ask you that, Antonia, to comment, which you started to, and maybe just take it a little farther, that I think for those who haven't had firsthand on set or behind the scenes exposure to cooking competitions, because they're so intense, they're very emotional experiences. Would you agree? Oh, I mean, I, I think they're one of the most uh, 
profound and emotional experiences that I've ever had. Um, you know, and it's very, you know, and it, it actually happened on the Julia Child Challenge when you are with great producers that, you know, that really build a beautiful connection of story between a challenge and your emotional connection to food. Um, there's this really special moment that happens and there's an opportunity for you to sort of like take inventory on all of the things that you love about the hospitality world, about cooking and have it translate into, and, and personal experience as well. Like Blake was saying, storytelling about how you grew up and the people that love you and the people that have supported you and what that means for your you know culinary journey. And um, it's a very, um, it's a, it's a very emotional experience because, you know, in competition, when you're sort of pressed, um, or pushed to your, your largest capabilities, you really see what you're capable of, you know, and there's these moments, these aha moments where you learn so much about yourself. You learn who you are, what your character is, how you listen, how you support others. And there's an opportunity for you to be very transparent in those moments. And when that is displayed on television, especially like a cooking competition or in, in food shows, um, there's a connection with the audience where the audience then feels drawn into this very special moment because these contestants, myself being one of them over the years, is on this journey, almost this pilgrimage, and they get to come along for the ride and almost experience it simultaneously. I think that's a great description of why cooking competitions are so compelling um, on on show on TV and for audiences. So on that note, Blake, where did the inspiration or desire come from to do a cooking competition for home cooks and centering it around Julia? I mean, when Kimberly Carver came to me and was like, do you want to talk about this, this, you know, like doing something with Julia? Um, you know, I immediately was like drawn to it because I, I mean, I, I grew up a big fan of Julia's and kind of always, always loved her, but like, it was weird to come off of two straight years of people cooking in their homes, not going out of the house, not going to restaurants, not even feeling comfortable going to a grocery store a lot of the time. Like suddenly you found yourself back in this world where everybody was learning to cook in their homes by watching a screen, by watching a TV screen or the internet on a computer screen or on their phone. Um, you know, it felt like there probably isn't a better time to kind of revisit Julia than than like right now. You know, she's the one that started all of this. And we've, you know, as like the whole planet have been in our houses, you know, turning to things like cooking and food as like comfort and nostalgia and take your mind off all the stressful things that are happening outside your windows and in the world at large. It just felt like a, a perfect time to revisit Julia. And, um, and, it it just I, it kind of it kind of came from there, you know. You know, there's a lot of challenges of like, how do you, you know, how do you put Julia Child back on TV after you know she's you know she passed away almost 20 years ago. So, you know, it's like, how do you how do you go about doing that? You know, like one hand, you know, like Kimberly and I talked a lot about was, you know, how does somebody else speak for Julia? Like she had such a unique voice, such a unique way of doing things and talking that it felt like there's no way people talking about her would ever convey all of that better than she could. And, um, and, you know, we were like, 
you know, if you're a fan of Julia's, if you're going to do a competition centered around her, like her house, her kitchen is iconic. It's in the Smithsonian. And you're just thinking like, if you were going to do it, you would want to step into her world. You'd want to step into her kitchen. You'd want to be greeted by her. You'd want to be shown how to do things by her and have her as involved as possible. Like you literally want to replicate that experience of walking into her kitchen and all those great stories that so many chefs that knew her always invariably tell you about coming into the side door, into her house, into the kitchen. And so we kind of just started there and then it was like, well, how do we do this? How do we put, how do we recreate her kitchen? How do we put Julia back on TV? How do we have her be involved? You know, and it just kind of, it kind of went from there, you know, it, it was a, it was a huge figure it out sort of moment, but it was fun to have to kind of like dig in and figure out how we're going to create, bring somebody back to life, you know, if you will, you know, that's, that's been gone for a long time. So it was, it was a weird and fun challenge to try to like figure out how to do that. And I think Antonia mentioned about the storytelling that goes into this show and I, I, could you just tell us the framework? So for the people who might not have wa- started watching yet, but will, um, how did, how is the show structured and what kind of challenges uh, is it built around? Well, I mean, I think like we, we thought it would be important. Like, you know, it's like you can approach a competition purely as like kind of like fun games and challenges and twists and turns it's almost like the game of it all or you can kind of have like this overarching sort of like story that you're telling and with you know something like top chef like like antonio was talking about earlier it's their stories it's the stories of these chefs across the season that that is the larger story that you're telling across all these episodes but given that we were starting with julia child we wanted to kind of reintroduce her to new generations that maybe didn't get to grow up watching her show. Um, and so we wanted each episode to be structured around kind of an aspect of her life. You know, like, you know, the first episode is centered around that moment that kind of set Julia on her course to becoming Julia. There's this meal that she had with her husband, Paul, that kind of changed her life. And there's other episodes that look at her early years when she worked, you know, for the OSS as, you know, quote, you know, as, as a spy, you know, that we have fun with in a whole episode devoted to that time in her life or her relationship with her husband, Paul, who was very important, you know, to her, like being able to do what she did. So each, each episode looks at a different aspect of her life and there's challenges that ask, ask the home cooks to kind of tell stories of their own, you know, like whether, you know, if it, if there's an episode about her relationship with her husband, Paul, you know, we might ask them to make a dish that, you know, is in honor of a relationship, you know, that's important in their life, you know, so you're learning about Julia, but you're also, you know, connecting that part of Julia's life to your own, you know, which I thought was important, like finding that connection between you and Julia's experience, you know, each episode in one way or another. So Julia does in typically the way the episodes are structured is there'll be a first challenge where Julia teaches you a technique, a kitchen technique, you know, that is useful for any home cook to have. So there's a first challenge that's very kind of learn mastering the basics, 
you know, is kind of what it's called. And so you're, you learn something from Julia, that first challenge. And then the second challenge is you you take inspiration from Julia, that aspect of her life that we're looking at that week. So, you know, it's, it's kind of structured that way. So Antonia, other than getting to work with Blake again, what attracted you to, to joining the show as the head judge? Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? As soon as my manager called me and said that this was even a possibility, I was just like, yes, 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 yes. And all the yeses. <laughs> I mean, the idea to be able to stand next to, you know, a woman that I have admired since I was young and even be in the same, you know, um, room, uh, or to, to do a project that's about, um, that, you know, it was, it, there was, it was a no brainer. Um, and I don't think it was until I was there on the first day and Blake had a standing and I was, you know, obviously closest to the television, that beautiful, huge old school, you know, television monitor on the world on the wall. And she came up, I was like, I, this is as close to me working with Julia that I will ever get, you know, obviously because she's no longer with us, but to be able to stand there and listen to her voice and, you know, hear the small little stories or the direction or, you know, the, the Juliaisms, it really validated sort of everything that I've done over the last, you know, 25 years in cooking where it was just like, right. And she used to say this and that's exactly the way I feel. So I must be on the right track. And so, um, you know, to be able to, be a part of the show. I mean, I would have, to be honest, I mean, I would have been a PA in the back getting coffee for anyone at that <laughs> just, to, just to be on set, let alone, you know, be able to describe what a challenge is to the amazing contestants that we had. Yeah, I think it, everyone was having a rather spiritual experience, which which is also something that happens at the exhibit of her kitchen at the Smithsonian. Oh, I came off the project. I think I told Blake this uh, the other day. I came off the project almost feeling um, grief stricken to a certain extent that it was over Um, because there was something that happened in, you know, that week and a half that we were shooting where, you know, you know, I was crying, contestants were crying because it was almost like revisiting, you know, my career up until now through this mentorship of Julia. So even though these contestants and these home cooks were being mentored, I felt like I was being mentored. <laughs> and so there was um there was a I was very actually sad when when the show when we stopped airing, I mean when we stopped uh filming because I was I wanted to be there every day. Like I came home and was almost like reinvigorated to like what it is uh, uh, the restaurant industry and I couldn't wait to tell everyone in the restaurants like what I had just done and you know and and sort of enlighten them with all of the stories because it, it almost lights your passion all over again and that's what it did for me I mean I was like I can't wait to do this and I can't wait to do this and I can't wait to share these stories with these people and um there was a lot of spark flying after that show filmed no, that's that's a great description, and hopefully people enjoy seeing that um, on television because I think it really comes through. I wanted to ask you before we go to break about the value of the Cordon Bleu Prize because I think we all felt that that was you know a really key thing to include, but I think we didn't expect the recurring reaction of the guest judges who all seemed very very jealous. You know that every time I announce that prize. 
on every episode, there wasn't one judge that didn't scream, like, how do I get on this trip? Uh, myself included. I don't even think the value of a cash prize would have been the same. There would not have been the same reaction to being able to basically, you know, I, I call it like go on walkabout or like a pilgrimage of Julia Child's beginning. And people, day, I've daydreamt about that kind of experience, you know, because there's, you know, the way she describes it and the way that you've read about it, um, you know, there's this magical thing that happened being able to be in, you know, France for as long as you're there and breathe in the culture and go to the same school and visit the same restaurants and, and you know, the same markets. It's like, that's as close to Julia that you can get. Like, did you want to piggyback anything before we go to break? I mean, I can't think of I can't think of another show that's like had a. Pri- I mean, we can all credit Julia for this idea because we were like, "What's a prize that's worthy of Julia?" Like, like cash is one thing, and you know, bragging rights is another thing. But like, to literally go to France and get put up for three months and and go to the same cooking school and walk the same streets and live in an apartment and fr- I mean, to vacation from your life for three months on somebody else's, you know, like as a prize is incredibly unique and also incredibly in line with exactly you know julie was all about about teaching people and learning and you know to get to follow in her footsteps and also do something that she totally valued you know i can't think of another prize like it. like it's it's a really to to be given a three-month vacation anywhere is incredible to get to go to the same cooking school as julie is pretty amazing um and, and I mean, I wish I could take credit for it, but I mean, we were just thinking, what would Julia, what fits Julia? And that's what, you know, that's what came out, you know? So it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing prize. And I can't think of another show that like has a prize like that. No. And Blake, let me just say, and Todd, as someone who has won cooking challenges and won things like a car, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, or even like Blake said, bragging rights to be like, and I beat all of these chefs. This is the best prize that I've ever seen. All right. After the break, we'll be back with more from Chef Antonio Lafazo and Blake Davis about the Julia Child Challenge and Julia Child's legacy. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Bento Box a restaurant marketing and commerce platform that helps you get discovered, make more money, and engage your diners so you can deliver great hospitality both in person and online. In the heart of Williamsburg, Brooklyn, Lilia combines wood-fired seafood, handcrafted pasta, classic Italian cocktails, and warm hospitality. Since 2016, it's been celebrated as a neighborhood gathering place, bringing the best of Italy to New York City. Lilia is one of over 8,000 restaurants that leverages Bento Box to power their digital front door, including their website, gift cards, event management, and more. Visit getbento.com HRN today to learn more and get your first month free. That's getbento.com HRN. Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind The Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, 
I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library one dish at a time. Follow the one recipe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking to chef Antonia Lafazzo and producer Blake Davis about Julia's legacy and the Julia Child Challenge, a new cooking competition for home cooks on the Food Network. So Antonia, Blake already kind of set up the general format of the show, but I thought, especially as a veteran, both on on both sides of the, the table as a contestant and a judge on other shows, how would you describe, and I think I'm asking you more the big picture than like the details, how is this show a different kind of competition compared to what viewers might be familiar with, with other Food Network or other TV cooking shows? Absolutely. I mean, so, you know, when you look at a format of competition, you usually see this sort of, you know, I can't wait to beat all of these other contestants and walk home with the prize, right? And so there's always this sort of cutthroat um, attitude. This this felt more like a learning experience for everyone that obviously had a strong competition format to it. So there's, you know, all of the home cooks found themselves every single day learning a new skill and then being able to take that skill and transfer it into a dish, you know, that sort of represented them or, you know, you know, as it related to the you know, to the format of the actual theme for that competition of the day. But I think what really strikes me the most is the way the judging went. And, you know, to be able to sit at essentially Julia's table and to sit with, you know, judges that are going to basically tell you this is, you know, this is what's wonderful about it. This is what maybe could use some work. Um, and be able to sit there and, and try your dish in the moment. I think this is what really makes it so special and so different. Is that a lot of times in competitions, you know, you're standing in front of a panel of judges, you haven't really tasted the final product of your dish, um, and so you're really just going on their experience and hearing their feedback. In this format, everyone's experiencing the dish in real time, the same time as the judges, and so. There's an opportunity for the home cook and the contestant to really understand what it is in the feedback that we're giving. And then everyone at the table, the same exact way is, you know, all of the other contestants and home cooks are allowed to do the same. And so not only are these home cooks learning about their own dish and what worked and what didn't, and it's going to make them better cooks, it's going to make them better storytellers through food. They're able to do it as many times at the table because they're watching it, you know, with their fellow home cooks. And so there was an opportunity of this camaraderie, which we see a lot of this cheering on for, you know, another cook, the cheering on for someone to do well, because everyone at that table, all of those home cooks wanted everyone to be their very best in that moment. And then, you know, and then whoever sort of took the prize that day or took, you know, took the win for the day, it was really just about celebrating like, wow, you guys just really did the best today. And so that, you know, and make no mistake, there is criticism. There is, you know, let me give you strong feedback on what worked and what didn't work because this is only going to make you a better cook. This is only going to make you a better storyteller of your food. And those are very important parts. And Blake was very specific about it. You know, it wasn't like, oh, we're just going to make everyone feel good. It was just like, no, in order to make people better cooks, you need to give them strong feedback. And so we were doing that. But 
when you're giving us, you know, someone strong feedback and they're able to taste their mistake or their celebration, it makes it that much better. And so I thought that was a really interesting component and so, so different than other cooking competitions. And not accidental, of course. So Blake, (laughs) do you want to add to that? Because I think a lot of the things are more subtle. And if you're in the moment of watching the show, you and you're and you've not, as you have done dozens of shows, well aware of actually how many differences and innovations and maybe never before things are actually components of the show, which Antonio started to describe. But Blake, do you want to talk about other innovations and just changes that you felt you you wanted to do that make this show unique, but also were were I think intentionally designed to to make it aligned with Julia's values. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's so weird. All the all the so called innovations are like you would never notice. You know, it's like you watch the show and it's a very easy watch, but like there's so many things in it that you would just never see in any other cooking competitions or other food shows. Um, you know, and I think all the things that strike me as so innovative are so like not ex- you know not exciting to maybe like the casual like listener or viewer like. One thing I always talk to Antonio about is um, something that, like, you never see. It's typically, like, with any kind of, like, a judge or host, it's like they stand up in a line in front of people and they give these kind of scary lines and tell you the rules and yell out time. And and then you only hear from them again when they're judging you and criticizing you. And it's like this terrifying judge's table set up and stuff like that. You know, like one thing I was like, what we should do is like all of these on the show, we... One thing that I thought was innovative is we had a different revolving group of judges every single week, and they were people that knew Julia, and they obviously had personal stories that anyone that's a fan of Julia would want to hear. So, you know, I felt like it, you know, it was fun to encourage Antonia and the two other guest judges that week on any given week to be as casual as themselves as possible, to direct them virtually none, let them sit and talk and observe and tell their own stories in their own ways, the way they like to talk without interrupting them and really like feature feature kind of like them as chefs and artists and real people and tell their war stories about what it was like hanging out with Julia when they knew her. Um, you know, and I just feel like you never see that. You never see these sort of so-called judges or or chefs on shows, like um, just getting to be themselves, getting to be real people, which I I think is so interesting when, you know, like if you're a fan of somebody, you want to talk to them and hear their stories and talk to them at like a human level. And so I feel like them getting to speak that way, getting to sit at that table, have said conversations. And then like Antonio was saying, when they sit down to eat, they're all on the same level. They're sitting next to each other. They're not across from each other. There's no judge's table of some sort. You know, they're all just sitting at a table eating and talking. Antonia's like serving cake to everybody at the table while she's judging you, which I don't think I've ever seen that before, you know? And, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's just like it, the casual sort of like nature of it all, letting them roam around the kitchen and just pop in and taste food and joke and talk and give advice and, you know, like 
you know, got our poor director was just like, what is going on? You know, like on the first episode, because I just was like, go, go wild, go visit anybody you want, do whatever you want, talk in any way you want, you know, and usually these things are very, very regimented. Like, like you go here with these cameras, you only speak in these words and we do it over if you don't do it right. And I was like, no, you just have to chase it. And, you know, hopefully we get it. Hopefully we get it on camera. We're not going to ask them to do it again. You know, and there are things you wouldn't notice on camera, but like, you know, I think like teaching people to be themselves and be comfortable like that, you, you end up with something different on camera versus waiting for someone to tell you their line in like a, you know, an earpiece or something like that. So I feel like those things were very different from other competition stuff that I've seen. Um, and it, I think it resulted in something really amazing and magical. There's like a whole X factor with the judges each week. They had their own little group of fun, like you, you, Antonio, I mean, you and the other two judges on any given week had your own fun sort of dynamic that I've never really seen before from you guys. I don't know what that was like for you, but like, it was fun to watch. Oh, it was, I have to say it was, this is from even from a judging standpoint, completely different because Blake and the entire team really gave us the freedom to speak to each other, you know, the way we wanted to, to storytell. Like he was saying, he didn't interrupt us. So there's these gems of stories that you're getting from Susan Feniger and, you know, Dory Greenspan and Michael Voltaggio and, you know, Alvin Kalin and, um, I got to learn so much about them. And when you let people so kind of freely be themselves, there's so much more information, so much like incredible information. And what that did for the contestants um, was, or these home cooks, they felt so comfortable to being very open and vulnerable with us, regardless of criticism that was given about their food. And I think that was the best moment for me. Because in the restaurant industry, and I have to believe that Julia felt the same way, is that there has to be feedback given to people about their food so that they can get better, right? Mm -hmm. There has to be mentorship. But at the same time, you have to trust your mentor. You have to believe that your mentor is there because they want to see you do well. And so there was this interesting relationship between myself and the guest judges and the home cooks that even though we were giving feedback and some of it not always positive, they still trusted us enough to be open with us and, and give us their very best. And they weren't guarded. They told us our, their stories because there was this mutual respect that was happening on set. Yeah, no, I think that was very much felt and very much comes across. Um, so yeah, no, I think you guys both really highlighted um the, these special factors. And I think for people to kind of think about that, because when you're watching it, you're just absorbing the storytelling and the, the way that it's presented, but that's all kind of there under the surface, which is making the show particularly have that feel good factor. Okay. So we're in the middle of the season. So I can't really ask you about the outcome or the contestants, the home cooks, but I did wonder and, you know, you both described that you were quite familiar with Julia and her legacy and she had meaning for, for you. But having come from the start of the, the concept and what you knew about Julia and then having made the show, did it change your perceptions of Julia's legacy or or not? Or, or not? Maybe, Antonio, do you want to start and then we'll get Blake's point of view? Uh, you know, it didn't change my perspective anyway. It almost it validated 
you know, because I would watch, you know, what little, I'd never heard personal stories from people that I knew about her. So to hear like Michael Voltaggio's stories, to hear Dory Greenspan's stories about, you know, the goldfish on the table and, you know, she wanted to sit with friends and have cocktails. And if you weren't snacking, she like always wanted you snacking that she would like, you know, kind of flick goldfish at you. So you ate them. And I, I wanted her to be that way. I wanted there to be this humor and this light hardness and this light, you know, and this, um, this everyday person, right? And so I was so excited to hear those stories. So it just made watching this television personality because that's what I'm so drawn to because, you know, I I almost communicate in the same kind of way where, you know, you want to get all this great information across in food and, you know, the best way to do it sometimes is through humor and sarcasm and giving people the creative license to, mess up and it's okay, you know, and so that really resonated with me. So hearing those stories again from people who actually have been in a room with her and had a cocktail or a meal just made me feel that much better about all of these stories I've made up in my own head about her as if like, you know, we were. (laughs) (laughs) So all of these, you know, random stories that were, you know, I've just been making up over the years actually are true. So it, it just made me that much more excited about it. And how about you, Blake? I feel like, you know, like watching the way Julia would teach and be herself and kind of fumble through things like I I feel like all of that, you know, is very charming to watch. But I was very struck. Like I said, again, it's like weird what's happening in the world right now and then be making the show at the same time. Um, I was really struck by Julia being an adult who was willing to like admit that they made a mistake. Like, like, I don't, I don't, we don't really run across that much right now these days, you know, like, like we have adults that are willing to go to war rather than admit they made a mistake. You know I mean? Like we have, we have a lot, a lot of very divisive opinions in people in politics in the world and our own families. And it was really amazing to watch Julia on a very regular basis mess something up, make a mistake, throw something out, start over, make a joke about herself, admit she, when she was wrong, always willing to learn something from somebody else and, and never adopt this pose that she's like the authority. And I feel like that was really, I feel like, I feel like it was really refreshing to see an adult at this time while we were making the show who was constantly making mistakes, who was constantly willing to admit that to other people. And and it's actually like what made her so charming. Like what, what was so memorable about Julia was her like, you know, her fallibility. Like she, she, she was so relatable because she was never like the authority. She was always learning. She was always making mistakes. She was always making fun of herself and joking. And I feel like, I don't know me, I feel like maybe, maybe that might be her most important legacy, even more than just cooking, you know, like, like she made it okay to be a person that was learning, messing up, trying new things, not being good at something, making it up as you go. And I feel like that was really cool to see to see that about Julia. It's something I hadn't thought about as much, you know, until, until I was working on the show. I think that's a great point. Cause I think one of the things that came across too, um, which, uh, you had sort of, uh, which you don't really see on, on 
uh, the final show, but there were uh, quotes that you put up from Julia for the contestants for each challenge and for the judges to see. And it kind of had this feeling of like Julia as life coach. And I think that's one of the legacies like you're talking about beyond cooking that has really endured with, with, with Julia. Yeah, it's been, it's been so much fun revisiting her in so many ways and, and, you know, pouring back through all of our old footage, you know, because of the way we use her on the show, you know, it's, it's fun to kind of like, I don't know, like there's the instruction of how to cook something, you know, or introducing what they're going to make that day, but, but finding all those funny little asides and pieces of advice and words of encouragement she would do all the time throughout her cooking. And anytime she made a mistake, you had to do that. You had to use it because it was just like fun. It was fun to see all that. So yeah, I mean, I feel like Julia, Julia taught people, you know, things in the kitchen, but I I think like what people take from Julia extends outside of the kitchen as well. And, and I feel like people don't necessarily always point to that stuff. So it, it was fun to see. Oh yeah. Half the time it wasn't even, I mean, it is always about the food obviously, but it's more about the life lessons. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that definitely comes across. All right. So after, after those discussions about life lessons from Julia, we're going to take a break, but we'll come back and we'll get another double Julia moment. Get in touch, send us an email or a voice memo to contact at juliachildfoundation.org or better yet, you can tweet us at juliachildjcf and let us know what you think about today's show and the Julia Child Challenge. Attention business owners for a $500 donation, HRN will shine a light on your work and you will help sustain HRN's mission to expand the way people think about food. You'll be supporting not only this show, but HRN's entire community of food podcasts. In exchange for your tax-deductible donation to HRN, your business will receive on-air mentions, social media posts, listings on HRN's website, and much more. Go to heritageradionetwork.org forward slash biz to become a business member today. That's heritageradionetwork.org forward slash B-I-Z. Stay with us. We'll be right back. When you flip anything, you really, you just have to have the courage of your convictions, particularly if it's sort of a loose mass like this. Well, that didn't go very well. See, when I flipped it, I didn't, I didn't have the courage to do it the way I should have. But you can always pick it up, and if you're alone in the kitchen, who is going to see? From Julia's immortal words, we move into our last segment, which we call the Julia Moment. Here's when we ask our guests to share their favorite Julia memory moment or how she's inspired them in their career. We've already done a lot of Julia legacy, but I'm curious to see what Antonia and Blake have chosen as their Julia moments. Antonia, what's yours? I mean, I still stand by my Julia moment being the when she pulls the sword out of her holster, like, I mean, and, and describes how to use the chickens that are in front of her, you know, obviously calling them the chicken sisters. I just, I can't stop thinking about that moment because for me, it sums up everything that I love about her, right? Very rarely do you hear chefs talk about, you know, they'll, they'll take one chicken and break it down, but 
I still have yet to see a chef on television line up all the different size of chickens and why we use this particular size for this uh, cooking implement for this style of you know chicken cookery, if you will. And it can be daunting. It can be daunting to see all of these different size chickens and why we use them. And it's information. It's like, do we really need this? It's just a chicken. But she tells it in such a way and the humor behind it, you are sitting there like with a bucket of popcorn, like, I want to hear all about these chickens all day long. <laughs> and to me, as you know, as a as a teacher of a teacher and obviously always a student of this craft. It's so important to keep the fundamentals in cooking and teaching everything from the very beginning. And we've lost a lot of that as we've gotten, um, you know, older and technology has become, you know, more prevalent and everyone wants everything so fast and we just need a piece of information to get the work done and how fast can we do it? And there was this kind of love story that she told through food that there was this very long beginning, this very long middle and this very long end. Because all of that information matters. And when you're a true like a student of the craft, you want all of that information. Why wouldn't you? And she did it in a way where it was entertaining. She did it in a way that was, you know, you want to watch it over and over again because of the humor and the sarcasm. But she took sort of the seriousness out of it. You know, especially when you think about French cooking, it is the most serious thing that you can ever do in cooking. Very regimented, very, you know, and she took that sting away. And, but at the same time, kept so true to the fundamentals of cooking. And Blake will tell you, he saw all of us judges geek out every single episode on the basics and the fundamentals of these classic dishes that led one technique into another or one foundation cooking, uh, you know, mother sauces or clarified butter or filleting fin fish or beef bourguignon or coco vin and all of these things because they matter. It, you know, you, it's like, you know, you can, you can fish for someone or you can teach them how to fish, but instead of just being like, Hey, you know, this is how you fish for one fish. It's the very, very, very basic and foundation that all of these building blocks matter in cooking. And it only makes you a stronger, better, um, and you know, more specific cook. And so to me, that's my Julia moment because I think it sums up everything that I love about her and everything that I love about our industry. Um, and it's a very important lesson to keep going because, you know, I don't want the next generation of cooks to skip all of those very, 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 um, important parts. Well, and I think you just demonstrated why you were the perfect head judge for this show, because that was an amazing dissection of that Chicken Sisters clip, which usually people just <laughs> think is fun. But you're right, imparts so much meaning and information. And um, if you're not familiar with it or you don't remember it, um, the, the Chicken Sisters clip is actually, um, it shows up in the show, but it's also on the foundation's website. If you go to juliachildfoundation.org and click on videos, you can watch it. Thank you, Antonia. Blake, what's your Julia moment? Mine is a personal memory, actually. actually um, I used to watch uh, Julia uh, with my grandmother. Like, on, like, I would stay over at her house and sleep over, and we would watch Julia Child uh, together. And my grandmother was, she, <laughs> for some reason, she saw something in me where she always could trust me to be, like, she was always kind of sneaking around and doing things she shouldn't do, like, 
she would always enlist me in these like missions with her and it would always be like, don't tell your grandfather, don't tell your parents, you know? And so I was always, I was always like her partner in crime. And, and she, every holiday she would, um, she would order like Thanksgiving or Christmas meals from like either like a market down the street or like a country club nearby or something like that. And I would always be there very early in the day to help her like get the, get all of the stuff into the house, unpackage it, put it in pans and then put it in the oven as if she was really doing all these things before all the guests arrived. Like I always had to be there early for some suspicious reason. I was always part of like this, like, charade that she would put on every holiday and I think everyone knew what was going on but like she she still wanted to go through the whole like charade of it all but I remember one year you know she was so stressed out by cooking like it was such an intimidating thing for her to have to like you know maybe admit to the family like she's not a good cook or she didn't know quite what she was doing it it was important to her to like put on that air of like she knows what she's doing um, and so I remember one year she was talking about doing the turkey herself and, um, and I encouraged her, I said, you know, like, who cares if you make a mistake, you know, like Julia Child even makes mistakes, you know, and I feel like when I said that to her, it kind of like resonated for some reason. It's, it, I remember distinctly her thinking about that when we talked, when we talked about that kind of like, you know, like, huh, you know, and then that year she did actually, cook the turkey herself, you know, and I know, um, you know, like it, it, you know, it turned out okay, I would say, you know, but, but it always struck me that like Julia's example of like, it doesn't have to be perfect, you know, and it was something that we shared together that seemed like it made it okay for her to try something that was obviously very scary to her. That was like, I think the only year that like she cooked, a lot of the meal herself, but it, it seemed like Julia gave her something about Julia's character made it okay to try it. You know, this very buttoned up woman that had to like always look a certain way, be a certain way, come off a certain way to people. It seemed like Julia gave her the confidence to try to, you know, to try something that was very scary to her. And it, it, it made an impression that like if Julia Child could affect my grandmother that way by watching her on TV, like I can't imagine what the effect she she has on all kinds of people you know I was like if anyone can get through to my grandmother I can't believe it's Julia Child so I always kind of think back about the that that memory of watching it with her and in having that conversation with her so oh Blake Antonio are you crying because that was (laughs) I know I know (laughs) thank you that's so that's really lovely and I I can picture Julia loving hearing that story. I think that that's the kind of connection that she liked. And I think she would have said to your grandmother, I don't care that you don't cook it yourself. I love that you're getting food that you like and that you know people like and serving it to your family around a table. That in and of itself, it's enough. I also want to hear some other stories from Blake, maybe offline about what else his grandmother was, you know. <laughs> yeah, what, what the partner and cr- what yeah, the criminal partner. missions were. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's very entertaining stories about my grandmother. That's another show. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for joining me and us today to talk about the Julia Child Challenge. Thank you. It's been a it's been a blast. It's been fun working with you on this project, Todd, and it's been and it's it's an honor to be able to to join you today. 
Well, it's it's been a, a great privilege uh, for me as well. It's so I, I think we can, as you guys talked about, it was genuinely a love fest uh, in the, the process of making the show. So we are very excited to be able to share it with everyone. We hope you're watching and uh, please continue to do so. And thanks everyone for joining us today. For more from Antonia, she's at Chef Antonia on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can watch the Julia Child Challenge on the Food Network Mondays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central, or stream it on Discovery+. Plus. More information is available on foodnetwork.com forward slash shows. And you can also check out the March 11, 2022 Food Network Obsessed podcast featuring yours truly as the guest talking about why we will always love Julia Child. Make sure you're following us. It's at Julia Child on Facebook and at Julia Child Foundation on Instagram. It's at Julia Child JCF and I'm at T. Shulkin on Twitter. Tickets are now on sale for the 2022 Taste of Santa Barbara. Go to sbce.events to purchase and join us to eat and drink our way across Santa Barbara County, May 16 to 22. And make sure to follow at SB Culinary Experience on Instagram for all the latest updates on the Taste of Santa Barbara. Please remember to rate the show and leave us a review if you haven't already. The Julia Child audio clip from The French Chef is used with permission from our friends at WGBH. Thanks to my co-producer at the Foundation, Lauren Salkeld, and our sound engineer at Heritage Radio Network, Matt Patterson. Our theme song is New French Horn by Novi Valtorny. We're on the air on Heritage Radio Network on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, with downloads available soon after wherever you find your podcasts. We look forward to bringing you back into the Foundation's world next time on Inside Julia's Kitchen. Inside Julia's Kitchen is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>